Welcome to GovCast. I'm Amy Kluber, and I'm at AFCO West. Today, I'm talking to the Department of Navy CIO, Aaron Weiss. Aaron, it's so great to have you. I'm looking forward to digging into some of your tech priorities. Thanks for having me. Earlier here, you gave a talk on the new cyber ready strategy. Um, it's currently in its pilot phases right now, as I understand. So talk through that and how it's fitting into your top IT priorities for the whole year. Yeah. So uh, Cyber Ready fits into this theme that we have of our information superiority vision. Uh, one of the themes under that, one of the, it's three things, modernize, innovate, defend. So it's clearly in the defend spectrum. Cyber Ready is an acknowledgement that the way that we've been doing cybersecurity uh, is wrong. I believe it's wrong uh, because we've been approaching this as a compliance problem. And uh, we've got 15 years of track record that says it is definitely not a compliance problem because we continue to get our lunch money stolen uh, and locked in our own locker. So uh, what's the definition of insanity? Trying to do the same thing over and over again. Cyber Ready says there's got to be a different way to approach this problem. And, and I believe, and, and we as a cyber-ready team believe that the problem of cybersecurity is much more akin to how the military views the problem of readiness, which is a very dynamic thing. It is a wide aperture view of sort of where you exist on a continuum of readiness. And it involves simple things like do we have the right people? Do we have the right equipment? Are we trained? Are we prepared? Do we have the right supply chain? It's much more than checklists. Uh, and so what we want to do is bring that philosophy to the problem of cybersecurity. And so that was the birth of Cyber Ready. And as you point out, we're about a year, a little over a year into it, and we've taken sort of those the simple concepts, built them out into a set of uh, lines of effort. Obviously, you know, we've turned it into a project program and we've done pilots until now to prove out certain elements of cyber ready. Could we do that? Could we have success in this way? We are just now at the point where we're starting to pivot to full cyber ready pilots where we take a program and we put it into a cyber ready state. And the whole the end state of this is changing how we do the authority to operate process. We're going to fundamentally change how we get and keep ATOs through cyber ready. Yep. And I love the analogy you gave about, you know, a pilot's license and, and it's fitting, um, especially today when you're trying to just uh, remove all the barriers to doing tech right and especially cybersecurity. So I love that. Yeah, that that concept of, uh, and it doesn't always resonate. I've, we've discovered in talking to people, but as a pilot, that concept of currency means something, right? It means, yes, I have a pilot's license uh, and doesn't expire. It's good till I die. But the only way you can use it is if you do things to always remain current. That's the word in, in aviation. And there's educational things and operational things and uh, training things you have to do. And there's uh, physical, I have to go see a doctor. If you do that, you are current and your license is good to go. If you don't do one of those things, you fall out of currency. Well, now you have something to do. And that is a, uh, that's the model or the inspiration for how we want to think about the ATO. 
today we give you an ATO, uh, you're good to go for three years. I mean, what happens in three years? Programs Lots. show up <laughs> and they're wildly out of compliance because they haven't done anything. Uh, and we spend lots of time and, and money trying to get them back to a state of cybersecurity. Right. So how are you seeing these contributing to things like the overall DOD effort of like JADC2? Can you discuss the Navy's efforts to improve data transfer via network agility for JADC2 and Project Overmatch? One of the foundational things for the CIO, if people ask me, what, what do we what are you trying to do as a CIO? Uh, I have what I call, it's the golden requirement. You know, like you have the golden rule. The golden requirement says, strip away everything else associated with the CIO. I believe that the golden requirement is we need to be able to securely move any data from anywhere to anywhere. Now, that's a simple statement, but there's a lot packed in there. Securely move from and to anywhere. There's a lot of implication there. When you look at then, and, and that has driven what we're trying to do in terms of modernization and all the work that we're doing to flatten the network, software-defined networking, uh, reimagining kind of our backbone of transport, um, the deployment of cloud-based capabilities, stuff all fits into that golden requirement. If you then start to think about the idea of, you know, uh, uh, long-range fires, sensor shooter, well, that implies that you can move data securely from and to anywhere. So, you know, I like to believe that what we are doing in the realm of the golden requirement, and we don't publish that anywhere. That's a that's just a personal thing. But the things that we're doing enables and paves the way for programs like Overmatch to uh, be able to continue to show success in. And I'm a huge fan of what Overmatch is doing. Uh, Rear Admiral Doug Small is the right guy in the right spot. And the technology solutions that they are putting together are spot on. And so uh, I'm, 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 I'm fully on board. And I think they're, these are uh, complementary efforts. So what role does information superiority play in the Navy's ability to maintain that competitive advantage? How does it elevate the role of IT as you see it? Yeah, I mean, information superiority, if, if, you, if you compare it to the other versions of that, air superiority or maritime superiority. You know, air superiority means that you can fly anywhere at the time of your choosing. You can do anything you want, right? You know, information superiority means we can, we can, and then back to the golden requirement, we can choose the time and place of our choosing to move information as we see fit. And in the modern battle space, that might mean maneuvering to move that information, but we have that flexibility and we have that capability. Now, information superiority is what will enable us to sort of fight through the adversary attempting to deny or degrade our information capability. Uh, and that takes many, many forms, right? That's more than just cybersecurity. That's diversity of transport. Now we're starting to see space-based transport and commercial uh, hyperscale meshes and all these things. These are all ways that we can uh, uh, kind of marshal together that capability. Awesome. I assume that also includes satellite communications, which is a critical component when we're talking about 
data transfer. So satellite communications have risen to the forefront of defense IT and cyber, as you know, especially in relation to how they help things like JATSE2. Can you discuss the role of satellite comms and how that is playing into your strategy? Yeah, this is uh, this is an area of uh, super interest on our part. You know, um, we were just out at SpaceX uh, spending time with the Starlink team. Starlink is real. Uh, there are 3,400 plus satellites orbiting right now. Uh, and I'm not going to try to say the speed, but I think it's like 17,000 miles per hour. Um, they are all interconnected with an optical mesh network. They're moving data in orbit from satellite to satellite today at 100 gigabits per second with plans to go much higher. With global coverage, talking about, uh, you know, 300 plus megabits to the surface, global coverage, including the poles, all the oceans, it's on, it's turned on, it's real today. It's potentially game-changing uh, in so many ways if you start to unpack it. Um, and if you compare that to the traditional kind of mill satcom, where we'll spend a billion dollars to put a satellite in orbit, they're putting thousands of satellites in orbit, and each one of those costs a few thousand bucks, you know, and they're going to update them and replace them it's a completely different paradigm. And so it's really up to us to capture and jump on what commercial SATCOM is making available to us. And it's shaking things up. It's, you know, after our, uh, we, we visited there, we then spent time with some of the traditional uh, mill SATCOM folks, the, the Boeings and Lockheeds of the world. And then we spent time with a whole bunch of people who are fast following SpaceX, nipping at their heels. Uh, one of the people in our group said, you know, I think we're in the golden age of SATCOM. And we might look back at this point and think this is, this is, the, this is where the inflection point was. I truly believe that. And it's not just about SATCOM. It's about everything that that enables. Now you're talking about moving data without reliance on uh, earthbound or terrestrial cables. Uh, we're talking about the ability to put compute in orbit um, and a whole bunch of other things, alternative PNT without GPS. It's, it's pretty amazing. And it's amazing to see how industry has risen to that challenge. Just a few years ago, that stuff was a pipe dream. It's totally real. Uh, and, and it's not just Starlink. There are other constellations that are being put in orbit right now. Lots of exciting stuff and opportunities for partnerships as well. And especially in, uh, I think someone yesterday said, you know, it's not, we're kind of changed the definition of what a sensor is. A sensor can be anything, a mm -hmm. phone. So thinking Absolutely. about that, that ecosystem is pretty exciting. Absolutely. And I think, you know, importantly, when it comes to this idea of commercial SATCOM, um, and I said this to my boss, the Secretary of the Navy, I said, uh, I said the LIMFAC for us in using commercial SATCOM is us. Like this stuff is ready now. They're putting it on cruise ships. We're putting this, people put this all over the world. You know, we need to be able to move at speed and we need to not kind of DOD the crap out of this. We can't afford to sit around for years while we figure out how we want to employ this. It's ready now. We got to figure this out. Right. And get a move on. So taking a look at the rest of this year, especially with Cyber Ready, what are your data readiness and AI plans? 
You know, I think for us, data readiness is is a couple things. One, it's about continuing to expose data. We have so much data across the Navy and Marine Corps that's hidden away, locked in its source system. So how do we continue to expose that and make it available for use? And it's not all the raw data, but make it available for use in a way that's helpful. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's a long, long job. And, and, and there are teams who are uh, continuing to work that, and, and we've, we're showing success. Um, I think, you know, when you talk about AI, one of the things that I think is potentially really powerful is using this new emerging foundational AI. And people talk about chat GPT or BARD, but this is, this is an AI interface that allows you to, to have a, a human conversation. And, you know, if, and it's not that we want it to write us a song or write a poem, but imagine being able to have a conversation where you can have a human conversation and have access to all that data. Can you tell me all of, you know, X, Y, and Z, or can you tell me all the places where we have this thing deployed on this, you know, it's kind of scary. And then to have the computer tell you that's a powerful interface for data, right? And that's potentially game changing. Now you're not talking about, let me go find some Oracle of data who will, you know, query their data repositories and their data lake and all of that, you know, jargon, or we're not talking about getting someone to build a magical dashboard and we think we can imagine all the questions and see it. You're just talking to a machine that has access to the data and we've, we've trained it and it will give you the answer. It's not an answer that it makes up. It's just reading what you have, but you're interacting with it differently. I think that's potentially uh, super powerful. That is. Well, um, sir, thank you so much for this conversation. You said it yourself yesterday. You know, a lot of this stuff is probably you're not going to see it to fruition until after your retirement. So all the work that you're doing to, I guess, set the stage, I'm sure it's appreciated and it's fascinating to learn more about. So thank you. Well, thanks for having me. GovCast, along with HealthCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com.